Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's episode, I am bringing on a lovely guest. Her name is Dr. Karen, and she's known as a transformational therapist, award-winning author, and soul guide. So for me, what I really loved about this conversation, and it's something I've shared before, but I thoroughly enjoy chatting with women who've lived just a bit through and through more than me. And what I mean by that is just people who have experiences just through life because they've lived longer uh, and to be able to come back and share a little bit of that in a reflective and growth-oriented way. And it's something that I know I benefited a lot from when I was younger. I alluded to that in this conversation when I was 20 years old, also went through my own breakup and you know, uh, definitely tapped into growth and transformation during that time in my life and had, uh, you know, a big growth spur and evidently came to creating this show and everything that has come with it. But that's why I really enjoy chatting with women, especially around this, because for me, I remember I learned a lot from people like Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ray Dalio, a lot of amazing men and male thought leaders, but I recognized at the time that I didn't feel like there was a grounded female that was relatable and also wasn't going to talk to you like in a motherly way, you know what I mean? Because as much as I love and respect moms and they have great wisdom and Dr. Karn is a mother herself, but there is a different way of connecting when someone shares things from just a human to human perspective and in this case I shared a lot of you know questions around woman to woman right like what would you share with you know a fellow sister type of thing so I really loved this conversation and this is a great one for those of you who have recently gone through any kind of breakup or you're currently navigating the dating space and you have come across some, you know, natural relationship obstacles that you haven't heard of before or don't know or don't know the right people with the best wisdom to, you know, kind of guide you through that. I think this conversation will definitely be helpful towards that. And once again, uh, something I wish I had 
when I was, um, you know, going through my own breakup many years ago. And so I hope I was able to do that in this conversation for any of you guys who needed this at this specific time. But one thing before I dive into everything else, I just wanted to share a piece of gratitude, something that's been on my mind, something I also used to do a lot more frequently on this podcast, which is just starting out every intro with a piece of gratitude. And something I'm really grateful for today is just friendships, you guys. Like, like friendships have evolved over the years, something I'm sure many of you guys have experienced on your own now as well, especially post-grad life. You start to see the adult life sink in and how frequent you actually get to see and hear from people. But, you know, I'm just thinking about how grateful I am to be able to have the friends that I have today to be able to talk about the things that come up in my life, um, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and knowing that there's not as many people to talk about that with. Uh, cultural differences with family is also a big one and something hearing from other people on podcasts and articles and just people's reflections, that has helped me a lot personally. And so that was why um a i really was seeking that in friendships people that understood that and could also be a supportive friend and it's something that i emphasize on too because for those of you who have either immigrant parents or just understand the the depths of having parents um or you know a parent figure that really doesn't see eye to eye with you on a lot of things um it definitely is emotionally draining and very um you know, it, it just pulls your energy. But I remember years back and, and still to this day, you know, I think from a cultural lens, it was very taboo to talk about that aspect to friends. I was told that I would be judged. I was told that none of my friends would like me if I shared about this stuff. And there was probably a part of me that believed it um, when I was younger and naive. And as I opened up and shared some of these um, you know, things that are going on in my own life, I learned that that's actually the exact opposite, that vulnerability and um, the right level of openness with the right people is going to be how you connect deeper with those people. And also, believe it or not, a lot of people, again, there is a sweet spot to it, right? You got to kind of read the room and also ask. But uh, recently, one of my great friends, Ronnie, who's been on the podcast, you know, we were chatting about something that he um, has known been an obstacle in my life and is very familiar with uh, to a certain degree when it comes to cultural things. He was like, yo, I really love hearing this stuff from your life because it was just kind of helping him on other parts of his life that he was navigating too. And so I told him like, oh, I'm really glad to hear that because at first I was like, oh, I hope this is not annoying. And he's like, no, no, never. Like, I really enjoy this. And so um, I share that in in thinking of my younger self, knowing that at one point I didn't know that that was not true. I didn't know that it was actually valuable to be open and share the right things with the right people um, and that's how you have deeper connections and that's what I'm feeling today and what I'm sharing as a piece of gratitude and so a kind of just you know a little nudge to those of you who have been told that by anyone in your life whether it's a parent colleague uh, you know family member uh, people that tried to make you doubt yourself in any way um, or try to talk you out of things that you just that you feel like is not aligned I definitely encourage you to give it a try yourself and test out 
what works best for you, um, especially when it comes to friendships and relationships. Because at the end of the day, I genuinely believe that relationships are the key to our fulfillment because without the people, what would it be for, you know? So anyways, that is all I'm going to say in today's intro. With that being said, let's dive into this lovely conversation with Dr. Karn. All right. Well, Dr. Karin, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to chat all things relationships, boundaries, breakups, a lot of which I know you have great knowledge and understanding in. But before we dive into that, can you share just a quick background into how you got into this space and a little bit of your journey along the way? Oh, I would love to. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. You're doing such beautiful things. You've got such a beautiful light. So you girls are listening to divine wisdom flow through her um, with every podcast. So yeah, I, um, you know, it's interesting when I started and when I was getting my undergrad, I thought I was going to be a teacher. And so I really wanted to teach elementary school. Like that was my track. It wasn't entrepreneurship. I didn't have a business background. Like I just, there wasn't that much like going on in, I just wasn't encouraged from an entrepreneurial standpoint in my home. It was like, you're going to get married. You're going to, I'm generation X. So it was a little bit different then, but you know, we're still all human and we're still all going through the same thing. So we have a lot more in common than you think, but I was raised um, in a community that just, it just wasn't as much of a, of a value, I guess. So I went back to be a teacher. And then when I graduated, I, and I've got a little doggy down here. So (laughs) of course, as soon as I get on, she's her little nose is on my lap. Um, So I graduated. And then in my, uh, between my junior and senior year, I met this guy that was in the minor leagues in baseball and we fell hard, hard, hard in love. Like, Oh my God, you're my everything. It was just all the things. And he asked me to marry him when I was in my senior year of college. And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, it was like the perfect thing. Then I was going to like be a teacher. And if he made major league baseball, I'd be a baseball wife. And so eventually he didn't make it. Um, and we, he became an, an Atlanta Braves baseball player and it, it was a really big deal. And so I went from like, you know, teacher, college grad, 22 year old to like skyrocket. And it, within the matter of three years, he became very well known. He's now in the hall of fame, but, um, we're not together anymore, by the way. Um, but we, you know, it skyrocketed. And then what else, what else, else skyrocketed was fame and opportunity for him to, uh, do a lot of flandering. So, um, which was very publicized. So that relationship lasted about 10 years and I went through a really public and really painful divorce. And, you know, before we came on, we were just making note that usually breakups will catalyze some really, or you have the opportunity, right. To really transform your life. And I will say over and over again, it's always a choice, right? You, you, you have a choice, whether you're going to go backward and do the same thing or whether you're going to transform. And I wasn't aware of everything that I'm aware of now, because now I have a PhD and now I have my own kids and, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm older and wiser, but at the time, like my whole identity was being Mrs. So-and-so and it was around the Atlanta Braves. And like, that was who I was. I was very well known here in Atlanta. And, uh, all of a sudden it was like gone after like basically a decade of my life, all of my twenties. Wow. And I just lost, like I went into a depression and I just, I just broke wide open. And that is what catalyzed me into going back to school. And eventually my therapist, because I went into deep therapy, um, told me like, she's like, maybe you should become a counselor. And it had never even crossed my mind. Like Hmm. wasn't even a thought. Here's the cool thing. Like things that you don't even know you're going to do, like you don't even know what's coming. Right. Cause like 
you, there'll be a pivot and it, it's just, it, it all informs as you keep, as you keep growing, but like about every 10 years, you're going to have a major change. But that major change for me went from teaching little kids to being a counselor for adults. And then eventually I went back and got my PhD. So then I became a doctor of counseling and education and I'll just drop this in there. I got married again uh, when I was 36 and my clock was really ticking. And it was a situation where um, I gave someone an ultimatum. We've been dating like three years. And on paper, it was like a really, it was kind of the opposite of what I'd had before. We kind of sometimes tend to do that. You either date like exactly the same <laughs> or a lot of times you're like swing way over and date someone that's like really polar opposite. Um, and we ended up having three kids really quickly within a few years. I had twins and then one within two years and, um, had a bunch of infertility issues, but that marriage was not in alignment with my soul. Um, I won't go into all the details, but it, it ended up being just super toxic. And what I thought was going to happen didn't happen and quite the opposite happened. And so I can promise you when I was 20 and in love with my first husband, I never intended on getting divorced once. If you had told me I was going to get divorced twice, I would have punched you in the face like that. No, I mean, that was not, no one plans on it. Right. Um, I mean, my mom was a pastor. I was a doctor. Like I was highly embarrassed. And so I had to go through all of the shame and all the stuff. And it's a very long story, but I can summarize it in a few sentences. Toxic not good. Ended up finally leaving. And then I became a single mom of three kids. And, um, I had kind of a spiritual shift in my life in, in that time in my forties. And I became very grounded in like soul driven work and like the, the growth of my own soul. So I started looking at relationships, not only from a psychological perspective, but from an energetic and soul-based and a spiritual perspective. And so, you know, I can actually thank both of those relationships because they're why I do what I do now. And now I help other women transform their lives and go from like that broken place when you come out of the trauma and you're like yeah. deconstructed to really transforming and recreating who you are. So that's the long and short of it. There are a lot of stops in the middle, but that's, yeah. that's the cliff note version. <laughs> I love that. And something I wanted to ask before I forgot, you know, it, it, it dawned on me and something. So I used to live in Los Angeles and of course it's a very glamorous glitz and glam type of place. And there's a lot of what I like to, or not like to think, but I, I believe is not aligned in terms of, there's a lot of social climbing. There's a lot of casual relationships and maybe not a lot that align on maybe longevity and loyalty and, and all those things. And part of it is because of there's so much fame, right, around a lot of people that are within Los Angeles area. And, you know, that makes me wonder, do you think from that experience you had with your first husband um, around as as fame came to him, uh, looking back, do you, do you think that was something a you ever thought of, of like, okay, because you know, I think that's something that a lot of people would talk about, like girlfriends of mine, they'll be like, you know, um, maybe they know of, you know, an athlete, right, but they think about the questions of would they have loyalty, things like that. And I always think, well, there, there's both there, I, I've seen both. And I always wonder what, what does it take for a guy or or anyone really in in that environment where you're, you're you have a lot of publicity you have a lot of fame you make great money right and you're successful right so it, what is it around ego you know like i don't know if you have any reflections on that but i'm, uh, I'm really fascinated uh, to hear 
that side from you, like now looking back, because you were also so young. And that's also something I think about too, right? There's this concept where men often do feel more confident as they propel in life and especially in around their career and, and their fame and or financial success. And so as a female dating, you know, and, and for your reflection, what, what, what does that look like? I guess, of course, I have so much to say. It was, like, <laughs> you know, it was, um, huh. it was a decade in my life, but, you know, I also had the aftermath of trying to date and he was still here. And then he made the whole fame and then he remarried two other times. And there was just, there were, he was mm. getting girls pregnant. And there was actually one in LA that I ended up becoming friends with later. And, mm. um, I was surrounded by, I mean, we hung out with anytime. And then plus this was when the Olympics were in Atlanta and they went to the world series. And, um, you know, back then, um, you, it sounds so dumb to say back then it doesn't feel like that long ago, but the Braves were a really big deal because we had TBS cable. Wasn't what it, what it is now in the nineties, but mm-hmm. we were very well-known nationally. Um, yeah. and I was really well-known too, because they would show me on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. So I specifically here in Atlanta, like we could not go anywhere and it, and there were, the internet wasn't even what it is now, which is so yeah. funny, but you know, it's you, we could not go anywhere. So I, my normal was literally like defensive mode, trying to keep people back. If people always wanted his autograph, my autograph, like there, it's not that paparazzi followed us around. It wasn't to that extreme, but you know, you just couldn't go anywhere without people just wanting to sit at your table and get autographs. So my norm was anytime a singer came in town, like we would all go backstage. If I went to New York or LA, you'd go to whatever show was there. So my life, like I lived behind the velvet rope. Yeah. So first of all, let me just share this. Um, the biggest gift, one of the biggest gifts that I can thank that relationship for is that I got to see behind the velvet rope and it is not what you think it is. Um, I, there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of connections, a lot of opportunities. I'm very grateful for that. I don't want to say that wasn't cool. Cause hell yeah, that was cool. I mean, we were in private jets. I mean, you, you got to hang with the rich and famous, but you know, at the end of the day, there was so much dysfunction in the relationships. There was, I mean, there was stuff going on. I mean, I'll just, there was a lot of drug use. There was like wife swapping. There was um, a lot of physical abuse, uh, me included, um, a lot of domestic violence. There was just because back then, well, I'm sure even now too, but there, there was like a, there was steroid use. And so you had like, there was just so much intensity behind closed doors. And so as I'm living that life and I'll get to your question too. I just want to give this backstory as I'm living that life. It was really, really intensely hard because I'm in my twenties. I wasn't, I was, I felt like I was like in my fifties and sixties because I felt like I had so much worldly experience. Yeah. The problem was I felt this, I ended up having this major disconnect and now I do work with actors and actresses and I work with some athletes like in, in my counseling and coaching because there's this disconnect then between you and the rest of the world, because you kind of get misunderstood because yeah. people look at you in a certain way. And really at the end of the day, you have a soul mm-hmm. and you get really objectified. Yeah. And so there is this tremendous struggle with people that are, that are in that category, because you have a disconnect with feeling relatable to people. And then you never know if people are in your life because of your fame or if, because of who you are, right? There's always that question. And then everyone that you ever knew or was related to you by second or third cousin, whatever, like, everyone comes out of the woodwork. Right. So <laughs> it, it, it really is very overwhelming. And it was like accelerated for us. And no, I didn't, I would know I was not prepared. I didn't expect it. Nobody knew the Braves were going to win the world series. And you, it yeah. was just, you know, we were, went to the white house. Like Dave Letterman was in the thing like back then, like it was so much. So I will say, um, you know, he was only 20. I, I just turned 22 when we got married. So okay. he was in the minor leagues and we were just wrapped around each other. It was like very intense and everything, but 
you know, what happens when they get out in that world is he went from a very small town guy to this like national, internationally known person. And there's just women everywhere and baseball and basketball are different sports because they have many more games. Yeah. Opportunities for them in various cities is just more, I mean, football it's once Mm -hmm. a week, you know what I mean? So there is, it's, it's very intense. Like you, you get one back then you got one day off. If you got had a child that was born or a parent died, like it was just not, I think things have changed now, but it just wasn't family supportive. And um, so, you know, I have a million stories in there and, you know, but for what you said is, I think that it takes, we have issues where somebody could make a mistake or somebody could, you know, have a flaw and you want to work on the relationship if somebody's unfaithful or they do something that, that, you know, jeopardizes the relationship. So you have people that make mistakes that are human. There's a continuum there, but what I learned for sure is then you have personality traits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) There is a difference between, Oh, whoops. Like I ran to my ex-girlfriend. I kissed her. I had a minute. Um, you know, it's never going to happen again. Let me make this better. I will do what it takes. Okay. Accountability, responsibility, not deflecting, not turning it around and blaming it on you. Yes, it is ego hundred percent of the time. Very often the men that have unhealed childhood wounds, well, then they don't mature. And so baseball back then didn't really encourage kind of this emotional maturity. It's like, it was just fed to them. Right. And there was a lot of people protecting them. They all protect each other. Right. So you're kind of out of the loop, but when you have a personality trait, when it is happening again, and then it happens again, and there's always an excuse, there's gaslighting, there's mm-hmm. flipping it around, which is what I was going through. He was blaming me for cheating on him, which wasn't happening. So pay yeah. attention to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get gaslit, like yeah. you have a personality issue, like, and that person right. is not going to change that personality trait. What yeah. it takes for someone to change that is literally hitting rock bottom, yep. um, literally doing the work disengaging from environments and people that contribute to that, mm-hmm. whatever the thing is, and literally a commitment to dealing with the infidelity or whatever the pain point is with the person that they want to be with and being able to handle the grief that, that comes. So yeah. he wasn't able to, he eventually, right. like he'd gotten several girls pregnant. He ended up, and it, this was publicized. He, he ended up yeah. putting it in his book later, but anyway, um, his own version, but um, and by the way, 20 years later, he came back and apologized just FYI. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And was like, what the hell was I thinking as he just turned 50 and he was like, yeah. So wow. they always come back at some point. Right. Um, but I can, yeah, I can give a lot of insight on that because I think what happens for, for women particularly is we go into relationships and this happens just as much in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. I mean, it's, I'm not that different from you, to be honest yeah. in my heart. I just have more experience. Yeah. Like I'm single right now too. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. I've been single for, I've been, my last boyfriend breakup was like a, a year ago. Yeah. Um, but men will, they'll show you and they'll, they'll often tell you like, I can or can't do this. And the problem that I see women have over and over again is we want to be the one that changes their mind. Yeah. So, especially if we have unhealed trauma around mm-hmm. abandonment and stuff. So we stay trying to fix what is not fixable because yeah. we think that's going to show our value. And it causes so much pain for women because then we wrap our identity around the relationship mm-hmm. and again, then that deconstruction comes when we finally learn either we're let go of or something happens and we have to let go. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. 
it'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Right. And it's crazy that you bring all this up because I think, number one, for me, that happened at the age of 20, um, where I was definitely the problematic partner in in not having uh, good, healthy relationship habits, things like that. And all of that being broken up with was a blessing. And then we ended up getting back together. But um, I remember, A, that was where my transformation happened, learning to take accountability, like, Emily, you're not as great as you think you are yet. And, you know, and just developing there. But I think I ask about the whole, you know, and I'm glad you brought up the personality aspect, right? Personality versus, um, you know, human mistake. And I share that because I think for me, having lived in Southern California for seven years, and now I live in New York City, um, I, I saw a lot of that. And I think almost to the degree where I, I was always, I had a strong belief that every guy, especially in that world, had that personality. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. I think that's no, like, not true, right. right. But yeah. I think that was some, there was a reason why, like, similar to you, I, I actually saw a lot of behind the velvet rope as well, and was at a very early age at, you know, college, like 21, 22, and was like, I don't want this anymore. And I want to be not in LA anymore. And that was when I slowly gradually started to look to move to the move back to the East Coast. But um, I, I, I just asked that because I think that's there's a lot of, you know, I hear through the grapevine too, you know, a lot of women will, you know, maybe meet an NFL player or meet, you know, anyone of kind of high status and think this is like, this is my in, this is my, you know, and, and they see exactly what I already have seen. And I, I see the damage it can do to a lot of girls where you think this is such a advantage of, oh, I'm going to date this type of guy, or I'm going to be in this fame. And you think that's going to be great. And like you you shared, there's a lot of uh, trauma, I think, that can come with it, especially if there are signs of that person having those personality traits of maybe a spectrum of narcissism or, you know, not being able to recognize uh, why that's wrong and the, the gaslighting, all of that. And unfortunately, some of which we see uh, as relative frequent patterns in people with like high status that have not controlled their ego yet. Right. So I, I share that just because I do think sometimes, you know, a lot of my listeners will come across guys, even if they're a well-off, I don't know, Wall Street guy, right? It's it's similar because un- unless they've maintained or controlled their ego to some degree where they recognize like I'm still just a normal guy, right? Like me being, you know, this level doesn't make me better and I can treat my partner that way. So I don't know. I, I really appreciate you sharing that though. Cause I think sometimes people don't hear it enough. Yeah. Well, you, that you put that very, very well. And that that's, I, yeah, I wish I'd had that much awareness when I was in my twenties, but you know, I think that, I think that there are some good guys. So I, I definitely never want to say there aren't because I've also learned that energetically, you know, we attract what we kind of believe to be true. Right. And so if we're going around thinking that everybody is like that, I mean, I attracted several more after that. Like I went through, you know, a degree of deception in my second marriage. And then I've dated a couple other narcissists. Like I've got years of dating. Okay. And, it's, and, and, and when I realized when I started focusing on spirituality and I realized like, 
I'm in charge of my own attraction here. Yeah. And, you know, and also the other, the, the, one of the biggest things I work on with women is your intuition. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times our mind is going to blind and block the intuition because of those things. Cause that's very attractive to be at the parties. And I mean, yeah. I get, I, I, I still miss a lot of that, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's really nice not to have to wait in line. To yeah. get every, everybody sends you stuff for free. You get yeah. free car. You get, it's, it's a cool thing, but you know, I learned one of the things that I say at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I, I mean, I was living in like a, we had like a, it was like 13,000 square foot house. Wow. And I went from that to living in a little, uh, like a 12, oh, excuse me. And I know in, in New York standards, that's like unfathomable, but in Atlanta, it's not, there's a lot of, yeah. there are a lot of McMansions here. Um, I went from that to living in when I was divorced in like a 2000 square foot um, townhome. And yeah. I will tell you, like at the end of the day, when you shut the lights off, I don't care how much you have in your Rolex box or how big your house is or what, how many Nikes you got when you're in the dark with your partner or by yourself, it doesn't matter the stuff and that whatever you're practicing in your life is like with you and you've got to deal with your own stuff. And you know, that money and that fame only goes so far. And then it actually can bring so many more problems into your yeah. life. And there, there literally is like a point of like, no, re, like the, the returns aren't, it's not, it's just, I'm just saying, it's not what you think. Yeah. And with all of that comes like all the family and all the friends and everyone wants something from you. And so, yeah. you know, so when you, if you meet someone in that air, in, in that arena, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible to have a relationship because it's not, there are, there are wonderful men out there. And the more you say that, the more you're going to end up attracting them because we, we do yeah. need to believe that. But they, to me, have to have like a spiritual, there's got not necessarily something in their soul has to feel intentional because I used to see it as like, it was almost like a current, like, like I used to say, like, it's like, they're just like trees dropping in the current and the current is so fast in like major league baseball that like, yeah. unless you purposely grab a tree, a branch and like, hold on purposely, like mm -hmm. there is just so much thrown at them. And I mean, none of the women were saying no, like basically any woman that they wanted, like that literally was it. Like any woman they saw anywhere they went, like, cause I asked him later, I'm like, did anyone ever, we sat down one day and I got like the whole scoop from him after yeah. we got divorced. And I, he was like, actually, no, no one. I'm like, so hundred percent of the time you know that whoever you hit on, you're going to end up taking back to your room. Like that was, wow. that was the fact. So my point is they're not all like that. Right. And good ones like have some kind of a grounding. And that's what I would look for. Yeah. Like family soul, yeah. like, and a lot, to, if they've been through something pretty tough in their lives, like if they've lost someone close to them, or if they've had kind of a soul reckoning where they've yeah. learned to shift their value. Like for me now, when I date, one of my qualifications literally is like, you have to have gone through the fire and yes. you have to have done work because if not, you're not going to get me yeah. and you're not going to like, we're just not going to get each other and you're not going to have grown. I need someone now that's, that's done that development work themselves. And that isn't so like squirrel, 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 yes. you know, yes. distracted by the outside world. Yeah. I really appreciate that you shared that aspect too, of that soul grounding or reckoning, if you will, of within themselves. And it's something that I, I asked because I think similar to, you know, for, my, for myself and listeners, we're kind of in our early mid twenties and we're navigating the dating field. But at the same time, a lot of people kind of start to go up from this, this time. Right. And so that also was in conversation with some of my girlfriends. It's like, okay, what happens when they like these guys and girls, right. But like when, when you start to like level up, right. 
what does that look like? What are the, some of the things that you look out for because of a, whether that like, you know, like how you mentioned your ex-husband, how he knew if he could, some girl was hitting on him or some woman was hitting on him, he could take her back and, and, you know, and vice versa if, if women are doing that too. So it's kind of like, what are you looking out for? And, and so my question is, would you say, and I know you can't say this with extreme certainty, but do you think a man in a similar position as your, your ex-husband, like, in any kind of status like that, um, or becoming big like that, do you think if he had some sort of grounding of, you know, whatever that looks like, personal development, spirituality, all of the above, that it would have shifted his decision making process in times like that? Or do you, you yeah, I'm really curious. Of course. Yeah. And you know, when he came back and we've had, we've had several conversations, even the past couple of years, I mean, and he's had years to grow and now he's retired. And so, you know, you have reflection and growth and you just, that's just inevitable. They're going to go, you're going to go through loss. Um, So yes. um, I think that, I think one of the things to look at is um, who, like, I felt like back then he was an only child and uh, the, the, the whole community and the family really kind of worshiped him mm. and my intuition saw it before, but there was this very God like quality to him, which it served him on the field or wherever these men are or and it's women too. I mean, wherever you work, if you, you have a strong sense of self, like ego serves you in, in your work, it serves you that your masculine energy serves you because you're yeah. getting stuff done. You're, you're task oriented, you're doing, 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 but I would pay attention. Like when that feels like that is the over encompassing feeling and they carry that and it kind of doesn't go away. Like, mm-hmm. like they have to be the center of attention and you're getting those narcissistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Like that's something to really pay attention to. But when there's that grounding, you know, when we're more spiritually developed, what happens, and this is what I've been studying a lot the past year is we come into more resonance. And I think the guys that are a little, that are younger now, like, I think that th- th- it's actually more than it was then. Like yeah. th- you have more of an awareness of spirituality. Like there's a lot of things that are mainstream now that weren't in the nineties. Right. Um, right. So, you know, I think that if you sense that there, so we all have a balance of feminine and masculineness, right. And so women that are really entrepreneurial and really headstrong, like you, what you, what you have done and as successful as you've been, that's your masculine on point. Like that yeah. has served you very well. To be in your feminine, you sit back and receive. And it's very hard for women that are always in their masculine to do. Right. And the same goes for, for men. And so men that are, you know, they, they're usually not taught. Now, a lot are now. So this is what I would pay attention to. Yeah. The ones that can soften. Yeah. The ones that can soften and literally show you when they're telling you and showing you, not in an ego way, yeah. not treating your story, not taking up the whole room and making it all about them, not manipulating you. Mm-hmm. And your intuition will tell you, right? So I would trust that your intuition sits like right below your sternum. Mm-hmm. That's where your solar plexus chakra is. That's where your soul is. Mm-hmm. That's where your second brain is. So it all works together. You actually have brain cells in your gut. Yeah. It's scientific. So if you're feeling like not, I want this person to be a certain way, that's your mind, right. but in your gut, if you're really feeling like this person's like has pure intentions, like he's being open and he's prioritizing me. And like, he's able to put, you know, one of these big VIP events to the side because, you know, it's my mom's birthday and he really wants to be with me. And, you know, and you can also tell by their social media posting. I mean, they your intuition, y'all are smart girls. Yeah. Your intuition is going to tell you. So yeah. pay attention to between the disconnect to the story that you're trying to create in your mind yeah. versus what you're in. And so if they match and if he's got a balance, that yin and yang is kind of in him too. Yeah. That is the sweet spot. And there, there, I, there are men out there like that. And, yeah. and we're all refining, but that, that's something that I definitely learned that I would look for. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny that you share this at, at this time, too, because I recently got into a new relationship where for the first time, I've actually seen that in a male partner where he has and, and I, to my very surprise, right? So I, I remember being skeptical for a long time at like, how can you actually because he's he's, you know, not too much older than me. He's only two years older. And so I was very surprised by how developed he was in that aspect and almost to a point where I was trying to deny it to myself, like, but he, but he kept showing that openness that, um, you know, like you said, that balance between feminine and masculine. And I saw my ability and, and very much my desire has always been this way too. But I always knew when I was with the right male partner that my, I, I would tap into my feminine very easily. And I know that as an entrepreneur, I have, great masculine energy in that aspect but I always knew you know when I'm with my partner I want to just shut down like I want to be able to let him right and so it was fascinating like having that conversation with him and seeing that but I I'm glad that you share that at this time too because it's for me it's a reminder of hey if you see that you know um like don't don't because I have probably if anything a tendency of of opposite of most girls which is to maybe leave the situation before it gets to develop versus uh, the yeah. opposite, which is staying or or trying to tell your story, like yourself, oh, it's going to work out, blah, blah, blah. I'm the opposite. I'm like, if I don't see it, you know, I, I might just assume too fast. I'm like, I'm out, you know, um, but, but I'm glad that you share that because I think it's something. Oh. Yeah. And it, it can be uncomfortable, right? And so yeah. if you're used to leading and, um, you know, and, and it doesn't have to just be in work. I mean, I, later he reflected to me, he's like, I think we were both in our ma- masculine, which I was so surprised that he actually knew that. But because wow. I was like trying to control the marriage, trying to control his career. I mean, not control, but I was managing the career. I was totally. managing the home. Like I was, it just was a different environment, but like I was doing, and we were both pushing so hard that there, and we, and we were super, super young and it was a different world than it is now. But yeah. I think that what I may have heard you say is that there's some, it, it can be uncomfortable. And I see this now with my clients that are, I mean, I work with 30, generally women in their thirties, forties and fifties, although I do have some 20 clients in their twenties that I adore because you guys are just so much more awake, which I there's just so much I just love it. Cause I'm like, yeah. you can actually teach me things. Cause I feel yeah. like you guys see the world in such a beautiful way, but that, um, awareness piece is so key. And then, but for women that are used to driving and being so headstrong, like it's real, it can be really uncomfortable mm-hmm. to sit back in that. And when you're, it's like for a man, like it's almost like I'm too vulnerable, right? Like, yeah, I don't even know what to do here. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to run around, you know? And so that's one of the big things I work on. And so what happens if you're not is the man, then he doesn't know what to do. And so sometimes the men will revert and go all the way into their feminine. If the woman's too masculine, or there'll be like this masculine war where they mm-hmm. stay in theirs and you stay in yours. And so, you know, if you want more information on that, I would tell you, make sure you're looking it up. I've done some YouTube videos on it. Cause a lot of people, this is part of what we're actually healing. I'm very much into like collective consciousness and yeah. this, this masculine and feminine yin yang energy is what we're healing right now on a, on the planet. Yeah. And so, you know, as we learn how to tap into both sides and encourage that from each other, like we literally are healing collectively because for generations, this has been way too skewed. And, and that's why right now it's kind of uncomfortable because we're literally carrying like the stories of our ancestors, right? Like you're carrying yeah. stories of your mother and grandmother, and you know, and if, if there was any oppression or, you know, the, the patriarchy has been strong for a really long time. And, yeah. you know, now things are really shifting and the men, you know, I have a lot of compassion for men. Like, I think they don't know what to do either. Like, I don't like to male bash. I know we haven't done that at all. here. But 
eyes wide open, but at the same yeah. time, like they don't know what's happening. Like they yeah. are trying to, to deal with it too. And so when you can find a relationship as scary as it feels to both partners and there's yeah. that vulnerability piece and you're like, ah, like you, part of you kind of wants to run, but you also <laughs> feel closer, you know, yeah. Yeah. like what, what that means is you're, you're shifting things. And I will just tell you, you're literally shifting things for the generations of your family that have been asking to be healed. Like you're doing it in this generation. I, I want to tap into intuition because you've been mentioning that quite a bit too. And I'm curious, you know, for you looking back, did you ever have any points in that gut instinct feeling of, for, for either of your former partners that this is not it? And, and, and that number one, but number two, if you felt that at any, at a point where you're already in the marriage, but, and you, you already started to feel that, but you didn't leave for quite some time until after. And is that something, cause I think that's something that a lot of women, you know, I think yeah. when, especially for me, when I've heard that from other women who've experienced relationships more than I have, it, it rings a bell for if I ever experienced that. I go, mm, I remember so-and-so shared this and she had this feeling and I'm starting to feel that. And it's just kind of being more mindful of taking that step sooner versus as you share it, some women are maybe sometimes they think they can change the man, right? And and or all these different things. And, and they stay in things that are just not aligned with them. But I'm curious, like on your reflection journey, what did that look like? It's huge. And it's everything because really what it leads you back to is, is the end of the day. Once I tell you this, it's self-love. Um, so I have two responses because I had two very different marriages. Right. Um, I'll start with the second one. The second one, I, we were really good friends. Like I kind of yeah. knew, I just thought that the other things would just fill in. So here's, yeah. here's a word to the, <laughs> from someone who has the wisdom it doesn't change when you have kids. It doesn't change when you get married. It doesn't change when the success comes, the relationship dynamics. Yeah. All those will inform and there will be variables that will pull you one way or the other, but your personality and the way that you feel going into it, like kids are, is not, it's actually going to make it harder to be honest. And it's beautiful. But if, I mean, my point is if, if there are red flags that you're ignoring. So in my second marriage, I had painted a picture um, because of what it looked like. Like we had, there was just a big story around it. There was a country club. It was very well connected. And um, I just, he made me, it, the story made me feel really safe on paper. Like I'd scripted out this fairy tale and I wanted the kids and we lived, had a house on this beautiful street in Atlanta and I loved him. Right. Like, so I just thought that all the other, like the sparks and the love and the depth was come. That didn't happen. And quite the opposite actually happened. Um, and I did ignore it. And I stuffed it for, I knew it on the wedding day. I knew it when I was walking down the aisle, I saw, I saw him, like he was freaking out too. And I literally, like, you can see in the video, I kind of tilt my head, like, come on back. We're going to be okay. And I, but my gut was like, but I pushed and I pushed and I, I did, we did have the kids, but it just, then my whole life became about the kids. And we just literally just like opposite magnets. So I want to talk about my first husband because it's important, but I, I will say that I believe in soul contracts. So our soul contract, like we were meant to have the kids and that's really woo, but that's part of my spiritual development. So, and it's okay. Like we just weren't meant to stay together, but yes, I stuffed my intuition for, I would say about five years I stayed. And this is the women I work with now. There are so many women that stay because the church, the country club, the rules, the community. Yeah. And shame. That's a whole issue. With my first husband, it was actually the opposite. I, um, we were, I really think that we were 
at the time now I've moved forward and I've made spiritual peace with it, but he was like my soulmate at the time. Like we, and he would probably tell you that now too. I mean, he's married and they're a really good match now and it's whatever. But at the time we were definitely like, and you don't, by the way, you have more than one soulmate, just FYI. Um, But it's really cool. If you can stay with the same one, it's really, really cool. If if you don't like, it's okay. I promise you there's another one coming. Um, But he, when that happened, um, there was just a lot of violence at the house and a lot of infidelity. And I really thought that he was going to be my everything. Like I, I was, the problem is we were both in love with him. That's like, I literally, when, when that ended, I'm the biggest problem in this marriage was we were both in love with you. And I, I know that he loved me, but you know, I had to put my story and my like deep love for him behind my own love for myself. And so that was a very different experience because as time went on, I'm like, even though I'm so deeply in love and I want this marriage to work so bad, but I literally, my well being, my safety, my, my sanity, because I was being gaslit and gaslit, like was being so compromised that I, I was just beca- people that knew me for years were like, you are such a shell of yourself. Like we, over time, as people started getting, you know, people would get honest with you later after the breakup and then they'll just tell you what they really thought. Um, you know, I had to put my foot down when I found out, like there was a time. So I'd find found out several times that he was cheating. And then um, we stayed, we stayed in therapy. He had a there was one baby that I knew about with somebody else. I was dealing with that. I was going through infertility. And then I, all of a sudden, like I started hearing about more and he kept denying it. And then there was this windfall when I met with another athlete that told me he was going to tell me like, who will always remain nameless. And we went out one night, we drank a bottle of champagne and he was like, I'm just going to tell you how it really is. And he told me like the rest of the story. And it was so much worse than I knew. And at that moment I was like, I cannot keep doing that because the, I cannot have multiple, like my value is one person and one person. So I had to ask him to leave. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it took me years and it's why I went back to school. But what I've learned now and the work that I do is I've developed like all these frameworks around self-love because at the end of the day, whether you're wrapping your identity or your, your, your um, self-worth around the story or the love that you have for them and the love that you're so desiring to have back or, you know, whatever the life is you have on paper at the end of the day, is this, is your self-love really front and center? Like, are you being loved the way that you deserve or are you not being a priority? Are you being dismissed? Are you being put on the back burner? Are you not allowed to share how you feel? Like there's so much that women tend to tolerate because our, you know, in, in, in academic research, women wrap their identity around their relationships. Like we identify through, right. Men typically, now this is anthropological research. Men typically identify through work. And so that's just, you know, anthropological research. So when we lose just FYI, I'll drop this in here when we, and this is in that book, the, the female brain, when we lose significant relationships as women, our body and our brain experience it as if it was a physical trauma. So, you know, you're literally, it's like you got into a car accident and you're like immobilized. Men don't tend to experience, unless they're really in touch with their feminine, don't tend to experience it that way. So, you know, it's like the reconstruction that happened then and has continued to happen. Like I've gone through many different series of this over the years. What I know now is the answer was always self-love. And it's like, no matter how much you say you love me or how much is, is this value? And I've heard you talk about it on your podcast too, that idea of value. If you're, 
if I'm not being valued in a way that is really heightening my well-being, not all the time, it's going to be, you know, have bumps, but if I'm not a better person here and I'm constantly feeling less than and smaller and smaller, this is not serving me because you are here to shine your light and to bring light to the world, whatever your talents are and abilities are. And if those are being dimmed and you're going forward as a basically a different version of yourself, that's not as big as you were really born to be. That is the biggest red flag. And the answer to that is your self-love has to be, again, it's a choice. It's always a choice. If you want that growth, that piece has, and it's scary because you don't know what's coming, right? Letting go like, Oh my God, am I ever going to find love again? Am I ever going to feel like this? Like it's, and that's why most people stay. Cause they're just scared, but you have a hundred percent chance of finding it again. So I've seen it many times and times again. That's why I'm really glad for you to share that because uh, it's something that you probably have heard me talk about on my podcast, just, you know, and again, it, it might seem slightly easier for me in the sense I have that mentality of, of walking if I'm yeah. not getting what I believe I deserve. And so, but again, that stemmed from that very early self-work at the age of 20, right? So for, you know, very difficult time in my life, but um, experiencing that so early on put me to understand that now at, at this age. Um, but I'm, wow, I, I'm still in shock that, and then I'm really, it's, it's funny, it relates to a conversation I had with one of my best friend's mom, who is now in, she, she was divorced many, many years ago, but she's now in a very happy relationship, but she shared a very similar statement as to what you said, you know, how you said, you know, walking down the aisle, you felt that in your gut and, and my best friend's mom, she shared, you know, she felt a very, like, I think it was maybe a few months into their marriage. She said, Oh, how am I going to do this? And I'm like, wow. Like when I hear that from women who have that knowledge and wisdom it rings a bell for me of, you know, just be aware that like there are like, you you know, when you know, and um, I think that has also allowed me to, I think, feel more confident in that self-love aspect of, hey, there are some people that wish they could kind of not necessarily not out of regret, but just like if they could, right, rewrite yeah. that in a way, like trust that gut and mm -hmm. and make different decisions. So almost like women to women do it for the others that wish they they kind of are in your position and that's kind of literally why I'm, I talk about this on the show because I think like you said relationships women especially we do tend to wrap our identity or a good chunk of it around yeah. our significant relationships and so that's why it's a big part of this of this conversation in this podcast yeah it's so true I mean that wisdom you know it's yes because so I hear it like most of my clients I would say 80% mm -hmm. of my clients have have similar stories and mm -hmm. and we stuff it because we just keep thinking like it's going to change maybe it'll change and mm -hmm. I mean we're talking years and decades go by and so you know it's it's a matter of you know what the way that I would look at it um was when I would start to idealize my partner the thing that I would start telling myself is okay but what's the end of the story right mm -hmm. um you know what is the end of this story? Like, even though you might have a good day or he said that thing that you wished he would say, like, what do I know to be true? So the best predictor of future behavior is relevant past behavior. The best predictor of future behavior is relevant past behavior. Okay. This will repeat itself, right? If it's already yeah. repeated itself more than once, this is a personality trait. And so, you know, trying to wait for the person to change and, you know, and men will, and I, you know, I've worked with men too. I don't just work with women and men will, I hear over and over again, she tried to change me. She wanted to change. I mean, most of you probably are, have already heard that men start saying that to women at a pretty young age, like they don't want to be changed. So it's like, you know, one of the, the telltale signs is like, who 
is this person going to drop everything if your mom gets sick and go with you to the hospital? Right. Is this person going to go with you to your grandmother's funeral, even if it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he has tickets to whatever, you know, right. the super, like if you're sick and you look like shit in the hospital and like half your head is shaved or yeah. whatever, like, right. is this person like at the end of the day, I think a lot of us, and you may have covered this before, but a lot, especially in our twenties, we wrap ourselves around the wedding day. And <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Um, a lot, I've done it, you know? And so it's super fun. Actually, my wedding they both of mine were like, it was, it's, it is, it's so fun. Cause you have everyone there that you love, yeah. but you know, the wedding bells stop ringing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to sleep with that person day after day. You will lose people in your families. Somebody will get sick. Maybe or maybe not. We'll have children, but you will have to share in life's events. And is that person capable and selfless enough mm. to go and do those things? Or is their life always going to be more important? Or do they downgrade what you need? Like, is it reciprocal? You can tell reciprocity pretty early. Like I yeah. would say after... I would say it takes a two year to be honest, like you can tell it quickly, but I would say if, if, if by two years you feel that balance, like you've got to like, that's, that's when it's like, okay. Cause you, you kind of go through, totally. you gotta go through at least the year, but that's when like, you've probably had a death. Someone's gotten super sick. Like you just go through life events yeah. and, and witness that. So, you know, for a while people can pretend, but yeah. over and over again, the intuition piece is, is the biggest piece, like trust your gut. I just think that we talk ourselves out of it. We override it because we're just yeah. too afraid to go and start over. The, the fear. I feel like the fear right. is always holding, uh, primarily speaking for, for girlfriends of mine. Like it, it's always like, but I don't know, like they're so comfortable in that relationship that they just won't leave and they know they're not going to marry him. Right. And to me, it just logically, maybe because sometimes I'm too logical, it doesn't make sense to stay, you know? Um, but you know, something I'm really curious about to, to hear your personal insight on, you mentioned, like the the future something around like past behavior past uh, relative past is a good predictor of the future right now yeah. i'm curious let's say it's it's someone a, a male that had previously cheated in past relationships but not with you and let's let's say maybe he's developing um and he's also had his own grounding whatnot before meeting you like what's your take on that just kind of woman to woman well, if he's done work, right? Yeah. Like if he's in a, and work looks like gone to counseling, gone to a re, you know, an event like landmark or that right. he has done self-development work. If he is recognizing to you that, um, you know, I have seen where there have been circumstantial situations in marriages where the person just didn't was falling or, or just relationships in general, whether or not yeah. you're married, where they just weren't in love and they stayed because of A, B, C, and D and they ended right. up cheating and, they didn't do it again, but I, you know, again, you gotta look at personality traits. And so if there was a kind of come to Jesus and (laughs) they are very open about, and they recognize how much they contributed. So what I would pay attention to this is, and y'all know this, but I'm just going to drive it home. Yeah. They say every one of their exes are crazy. If they blame all the cheating or all the way, if they're blaming it on their ex Mm. red, flag. Right. And I get, she was cold in bed. A lot of men will say that, like, she didn't want to have sex as much as me or like, there's all these excuses, but so maybe that was true. Maybe that was a variable, but what you want to hear then is them saying, well, that happened. But if I'm honest, like I really, I'd stopped 
doing this. I stopped doing that. I was going out too much or whatever it is. If you hear them, if you hear them take responsibility and then say, you know what, I decided in my life that my value system has changed, or you hear language that shows transformation. That's wonderful. You know, that people can change, right? The, all it takes for someone to change is the decision that they don't want to be the same and the work to do it and the commitment to the process, but they have to make the decision. Nobody can make that for them. You cannot send someone to rehab and it work unless they decide. I mean, I used to work and I worked in hospital settings. I worked in addictions and it could be a sex addiction, a a casino addiction, whatever, unless that person sees the cost of it and sees how it is costing them their own well-being and the happiness in the world. And they want to change it because they want to be happier and different themselves. They're not going to change that piece has to be present. I hope that I answer your question. I'm just, I, I, I'm, and I've seen so much of it, but I've also seen a lot of women that have gotten into, and me included guys. And they tell you, you know, I did it in this past relationship. Like I've had several of those, um, two, two in particular. And they literally told me, (laughs) they were literally like, I have it. Like my last boyfriend literally told me I have a history. Like I've, I've met women and like, when I'm done, like I'm done, like I meet somebody else. And then like, I'm like done. But I was like, well, he's not going to do that to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like that to me. And he's like, oh, you know, you're different. And, you know, sure enough, like he, you know, it was a year and a half in and then he wow. just like, I thought we were, and then he like freaked out one day and it dawned on me like a week later, I was like, this is exactly what he told me he's done with like every woman. Yeah. And, like, and he shared was- that as his own pattern. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. See, it, it's funny. Cause I, I share that from seeing a friend where she talked about her concern of a, a potential partner sharing that that's his history but that he doesn't want to be that person. And so we it was, it was a toss up in a girlfriend dinner conversation of like, uh, is that true? Because he owned it. He was very open and honest about his history and past. And I think that's impressive for a guy, especially in his 20s, right? Number one, but to have the self-awareness to talk about how, you know, um, what I did was wrong, you know, blah, 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 right? So, but it's also like, sometimes we can tie too much. And I think that's where I was curious for your perspective of, you know, if, if he says he no longer wants to be that, if he says he's stepping yeah. away from that previous identity, is that trustworthy? Or yeah. do we assume almost all past history is like going to repeat itself? Right. Well, the answer is always, it depends. Like every, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I would look at, so, you know, men's brains don't really fully merge until they're like 28, 29 years old. Right. So yeah. I think cheating in high school and college, um, like, now, if that person has is like a strong narcissistic tendencies, like you can kind of see that, like they're always checking themselves out in the mirror. Their story is always bigger. Like you, you know, you can see those guys coming. I know because I've been with many of them. I've, yeah. I've tracked with them for decades, <laughs> but you know, men who, you know, they do mature at a certain point and you have a whole like Saturn return around the age of 32 ish in there. And, you know, again, like it's, if they've made the choice to say, I want to like do better. Like I really want to bring my value system into more alignment with, and then maybe they're not using those words because they're yeah. not you know, that mature, but if you do hear, and if they are taking the steps, you know, but the issue is, is he is, are they separating themselves from the environment and the people that were contributing to the problem before? Right. Like if they're still hanging out with all their homies, right, 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 right. right? Like, because that group that was with them before, and I've seen it over again, and it doesn't matter again, I've seen it with every age of man. If that group, like if they're protective over that, and those are the guys that aren't going to go and talk to the wife or like, and they like, Mm -hmm that group is not the group that we want them hanging out with anymore. Cause they don't hold each other accountable. When yeah. you have men that have made friends with maybe some men that are older, yeah. 
their friend group, men that are in committed relationships. They want to hang around those people. They really enjoy that. There's not a separation between you and their friend group. That's yeah. a big <laughs> yes. that's a sign because that shows growth. Like if they have maybe met someone at work or they have a mentor, that's yes. a big, really good green flag. They yeah. want to, Maybe they've lost a parent, a lot of men, you know, especially if they've lost their dad. I mean, that you know, over time you will meet men that, and, and friends that will end up losing parents. And yeah. I wrote a book called the fatherless daughter project. So I, I did a lot of research on parent loss and yeah. that can also really change you and, and it can change a man. So, you know, yeah. I, I do think it is possible. And if he's being open about it, mm-hmm. I mean, I think her gut would tell her, is this manipulation right. or is it like open conversation? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting. It's open conversation, but it, it's almost like her personal fear of, like she's like me, right? She's kind of like, you know, a lot of my girlfriends were kind of similar. We're, we're very, I think, confident to a degree where in situations like that, we could uh, self-sabotage something that actually has potential to be really great because, but like we're, we're concerned, you know, we want someone with a clean record. Right. And, and, you know, so, right. right so it's all a toss up, but um, you know, final few questions here before we, we wrap it up. I wanted to ask, what are some healthy relationship habits and boundaries that you've observed and have maybe implemented yourself over the years, maybe two or three that you would share with young women listening right now that they could be more mindful of? Well, I think that there is a, an intention that there's an equality. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I think out of the gate becomes pretty evident in the beginning, just so that's like, women, you're, you're so freaking valuable. You're so valuable, but I agree with you. Like, don't put yourself, don't put that fear so front and center that you could sabotage and that feels good. Mm So, you know, it's a matter of, of really checking in with your gut. Mm -hmm. And if something, um, you know, if if it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but you're still like feeling a connection there, like that's a yes. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting like little, like you're getting little pings in your gut that are like, mm, I'm yeah. not quite sure there was an unexplained phone call or unexplained text. And right. you know, we can talk about that all day, but I mean, pay attention to your intuition, but yeah. you know, transparency is, is a huge one, you yeah. know, and I don't mean that you have to, you don't, by the way, you do not have to tell your partner, every single thing, every person you've been with, you don't have to, you don't have to, I used to think you had to do that. You don't have to share everything. Okay. Right. You, I'm relieving you of that. You don't have to, um, but there's a vulnerability and there's a transparency for where you are. Yes. Where you've been. I don't, I don't like when every detail of every relationship is, is I learned that over time. Like you don't have to dig up every grave because what happens then when you're doing that too much is you're bringing those bodies into their current relationship. Right. And so that person is not in this relationship. Let this person have a fresh start. Like let them, let you be their fresh start. Mm. Right. But pay attention if if you're hearing things and yeah. stories aren't matching, like yeah. that's one end of it. But you know, don't bring your last relationship into this relationship. And by far, by far, trust your intuition and know how valuable they are, even if it's something you have to walk away from because you're the red flags are getting are waving too too strongly. I will promise you, you have a hundred percent track record of finding somebody new. Mm-hmm. You will find somebody new and you will find someone, the more in alignment mm-hmm. with your own value system, the more conscious you are of what you desire, the more, actually, I'm going to leave it with this. 
talk about what you desire. Your words are very powerful. You know, they call it spelling. You're actually kind of casting spells. You're forming a magnetic aura around you with what you're focusing on. So pay a lot of attention to how much you're downgrading dating, down, uh, degrading men, how much negative your negative things you're saying, because you're literally forming a magnetic vibe around you. Talk yeah. about what you want. Be around couples that have a really good thing going ask their love story. Cause once you do that and you can really talk about chill bump saying it, you yeah. can find appreciation for that and be in that vibe yeah. like that rubs off on you. And then you walk around with that same vibration mm-hmm. and you will start attracting people at a higher vibration, which is what you want because you're trying to up level. Yeah. Oof. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that last and final question. Something I ask every guest on the show, but in reflection of your life and, and your relationships and having children, of all things, what would you say truly fulfills you in life? I will say now what fulfills me is the work that I do. Uh, yes, I love being a mother and I wouldn't trade it. But and this is actually the research that I did when I was getting my PhD. Um, it is really important that we have our own cause um, children, partners, dogs will all need from you. And yes, they're very fulfilling. And yes, like they fill my heart so much, but I will tell you at the end of the day, what is going to fulfill your soul the most is the purpose that you have in the world. So for me, helping women and men, but women particularly transform, helping you find your light, like the fulfillment that I have when I see a woman's light turn on. And I know that I've helped turn you up. Like I get to feel that too. And I'm, we're all collectively helping each other. So that by far is what fulfills me the most. I love that. I I have always felt the same since my own transformation. So thank you so much, Dr. Karn for being on here, sharing your wisdom. And this was such a natural conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was an honor and a blessing to be here. Of course. And last thing, where can everyone find you? If you can share your social media, your website and anything else that they can find and learn more from you. Yeah. So Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N and uh, I'm I'm everywhere under Dr. Karin on my website. You have to spell the word doctor out and then you have to spell that on Instagram as well. So yeah, if this resonates with anyone, um, check out what I do. I've got a lot of freebies and all kinds of opportunities to work with me. So I'd love to talk to you. Awesome. Well, I will uh, link that in the show notes and they'll be able to find you there. All right. Thanks so much for having me. And that was all for today's episode with Dr. Karn. I hope you enjoyed this and wherever you are listening from, whether you're at the gym, on a walk, listening during lunch break, listening on your morning walk, wherever you are, I'm just sending you all the love. And for those of you who did not know, I actually recently started an email newsletter. It's a weekly email from me every Friday where I'm sharing my personal life insights, something that I feel like is an extension of what I used to do as a blogger. I used to write actual blog posts if any of you guys um, followed along back in the day. And I know writing blog posts have definitely dwindled out, but I feel like there was a part of me that needed to write these nuggets down somewhere and share it because I've learned from certain emails I've read that had specific quotes or specific insights that really touched me. And so that being said, I'm just trying to give back in the same way I've been able to receive from other people. So if you are interested, you love reading these little nuggets, uh, definitely subscribe to the email list. You can check it out, link in bio on any of my Instagram accounts at Emily E. Duong 
or at what fulfills you if you want to just hop onto Instagram or the link is also the first link in the show notes. So it'll just say subscribe here, click on that link, just put in your email and you will get a weekly email from me every Friday. And that is all for today. I will chat with you guys in the next one. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.